Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. Welcome to the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. Hey, Dub, what's a good word, fam? Man, everything is good up here, friends. Did a little cardio earlier, so I'm working my way back. Okay, how many miles we get going on that cardio today? <laughs> I got a couple in, man. I got a couple. I'm starting on small right now. Listen, man, there ain't nothing small about that because that's more than you did the, uh, the day before. You know me. I had to start over from the beginning and work my way up, so I'm getting there. Yeah, there was um, a guy in the gym last night when I was in there, and I was um, I was doing my cardio, and when I got done, you know, he was like, hey, you know, can you chat for a second? I'm like, yeah, of course, man. What's up? And he was like, man, how did you get to this point? And I just told him, I said, well, I just start off this way. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's to the point that you made. It's like, you know, you got to start off, you know, small. And what I told him is like, I used an app, this is like five years ago. It was called From the Couch to 5K. So basically that thing, it got you from getting off of your couch, literally, to being able to run a 5K in like six weeks. And that was the beginning. And I, and I downloaded that app for him. I said, hey, let me put this on your phone. I said, I'm telling you, brother, in six weeks, you're going to be running a 5K. Man, you, I got to I gotta get that app. From the couch to 5K. It's dope, man. That That's the thing that got me where I'm at now. You've already done it, man. So I got to get to that level. Man, that shit. Fuck a 5K. I am run three half marathons, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here. <laughs> oh, yeah. You the man, bro. You the man. I got some catching up to do, though. I'll see you at the top. Okay. All right. Let me know when you're ready. <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> That's going to take a minute, man. That's going to be a minute for me. Hey, I'm a patient man, A-Dub. I'm a very patient man. <laughs> <laughs> We're without DC again on the episode today, but A-Dub and I going to hold down the fourth form. So as always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. The Crave It application can be found on the Apple and Android applications. Please join us in our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. A-Dub, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this show, I know you watched that Warriors game last night. We got to give a big salute. To Steph Curry, man, this guy became the greatest shooter of all time, in my, in my opinion, last night. Shout out to Steph Curry, baby. Yeah, man, he broke history, Perez. He broke Ray Allen's record, and he's going to bigger and better things. You know, that record going to be standing for a long time. We talk about Will Chamberlain's record, Perez, with 100 points. It's going to be hard to break Curry's um, three-point made record, man. It's going to be hard because he got a lot left in the tank. Yeah, he got too much left in the tank. I don't I don't see anybody catching him, man, to be honest. I mean, in this league, you got a lot of volume shooters. The game before, Ray Allen wasn't getting them shots off like Steph Curry getting them shots <laughs> off. But to that point, though, not only was Steph Curry getting shots off, man, but the man was deadly, deadly behind that three-point arc. Yeah, and right now, there's nobody closer, Perez, to him in that, in that department. So he's still playing at a high level. I mean, like he's still got about four good, great years left in him. So... Man, that, that record's going to be 
far out there, man. And it's going to be hard for number two to catch him. No, that's that's facts there. And also, shit, uh, salute to Dale Curry, because Dale Curry, I saw the pictures of you, Dale. Dale was out there, boy. He was acting a fool last night, man, taking them pictures. I saw you out there, Dale. He was acting like he was Steph. <laughs> yeah, pops out there, man. Holding it down. He had three dimes with him, with him last night. <laughs> hey, pops better be careful. <laughs> Listen, pops a divorced man, bro. He he, he free to he free to mingle. He free to mingle. <laughs> hey, all I gotta say is the Currys were killing it at Madison Square Garden last night. It was killing them out there at the garden. And they showed up and showed out. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, salute though, all jokes aside, salute to uh, Steph Curry. Like I said, man, this dude, greatest shooter of all time. And for anybody that listens to this show, we've talked about this before. Ray Allen, in my opinion, man, one of the prettiest jump shots in NBA history. And so when you have a guy like Steph Curry that's passing that guy up, that just goes to show you how fucking great Steph Curry is as a player. And it couldn't happen to a cooler guy, man. I like what he represents, and I like how he moves, man. He's he's not one of these guys that's out here trying to self-promote himself. He just goes out there and just balls out, and, and I respect the way he plays. And it's the way he do it, too. He really changed the game of basketball. I mean, you get everybody want to pull up some half court these days because of him. So big time game changer. All right, man. Well, we're going to get into the show here. So your Chicago Cubs, man. So obviously, audience, we talked about the MLB lockout that's going on right now. This week, we heard some rumors there that the Cubs had reached out about a possible Eric Hosper trade last season. And it's rumored, A-Dub, that you guys may be looking to reignite those talks once the lockout ends. So I want to get your thoughts on that because Eric Hosmer and a trade with the Padres could be a nice move for the Cubs. It will actually show that we're not completely starting over for Perez. That'll be, a, I think it'll be a decent move. I mean, I know he signed that big contract with them, eight year, 144 million, but I believe with him possibly coming to the Cubs, it will also bring a prospect over here as well. And I believe Robert Hassel third that I heard his name come up, Perez will be a good guy to come along with that trade. So and again, Eric could be our DH, so you never know what they might pull off with this. Well, that's also if that DH gets added to the National League. But if not, right. I mean, he's still going to be a guy that, that's going to be a good bat for you guys. I think the big key for the Padres is they want to get that contract off the books because, to your point, that's a bloated-ass contract, and it still has four years and $60 million left on it. So I yes. think the, the big thing for the Padres is getting that deal to another team. And I think the Cubs, because they cleaned house last year, they may be receptive to bringing that on to their payroll. The Cubs got a little money. You're right. We just signed back, you know, uh, some of the key guys that we traded. We should have a little change uh, for a guy like him. But I think the other thing that I mentioned already is that also getting a prospect to come along with it because, you know, we're still in somewhat of a rebuild. We're trying to continue to grow our farm system and um, bring that up too. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The Padres aren't a bad team to get any sort of prospects from because that team, they've definitely built from within. So if the Cubs could grab a guy from the Padres, I think that'd be good for y'all because they have a really strong farm system in San Diego. Yeah, man. We've got a good farm system. And, you know, my, my boys, man, they've been working. I know you all, White Sox, I get it, Perez. But my boys, man, doing some things, man. You already talked about Marcus Stroman, too. And Wade Miley, we talked about, you know, getting some good, solid pitching. So why not add another bat? We may be to make a little bit of noise, you know, um, when the season comes. So we'll see what happens with Eric. We'll see. Yeah, but you also know, A-Dub, that the offseason, that's only one part of it. They still got to get out there on that damn field and play. So <laughs> it's levels to this thing, bro. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's levels. But no, man, I, I, like I said, uh, objectively, when I look at this, yeah, the Cubs are making some moves. I think I even heard where Jed said that they're done with the starting rotation so they can focus on other aspects of the, of the team. So it'll be interesting to see how things shape up for them, man. 
you know, we had some guys that done well last year, like Frank Schrendell. The only thing that matters is what they do on that field. So we'll see if we're putting a good product out there this coming season once this lockout stuff ends. Right, exactly, which we don't even know when it's going to end. But that's just something for our Cubs listeners to think about. Help could be on the way, in the way of Hosmer. But I want to transition over to Mini Minoso. A couple episodes ago in our final segment, I'd be asked baseball to do the right thing and to get this man into the Hall of Fame. And for me, Ada, seeing him get elected was bittersweet because I loved it, but I wish he'd have been here to see it for himself because this man loved baseball. He was all things baseball. And I just think that, man, it would have been really sweet for him to experience and know that he went into the Hall of Fame as opposed to him being elected posthumously. I'm with you there, Perez. Uh, But I have a lot of respect for many, and I know what he stood for. The Cuban comment, Perez, pretty much Mr. White Sox. And, um, you know, this guy had a great career, you know, Perez. And um, his impact, right, really on, you know, the Cubans in general, right? And that's part of the reason why I will say the White Sox have a door open when it comes down to Cubans in general, because of many. He played a big factor in that. And people see what he does for the White Sox in his career and follow his career. He's the guy that I wish would have been still alive so actually see himself going to the Hall of Fame. And obviously, A-Dub and I were a little younger, so we didn't actually see many play. But I remember my grandmother, you know, she and my grandfather, they were huge Sox fans. And they always talked about Minnie Minoso. So as a kid growing up, I heard that name being mentioned a lot in the household. They also talked about Ernie Banks. So, you know, for the Cubs right. fans out there. So Fergie Jenkins, like I heard about all these type of players, you know, when I was coming up. And so, you know, as I got older and when I got into sports, then I started to do my own research and homework on these people. And so then that's what it really made me realize, like, damn, they was on to something because all these guys that they were telling me about when I was younger, these, they was all studs. And many was no, no difference because the final year that he was with the White Sox, this man was 50 years old. Right. Crazy. He DH'd. Got about eight batters him say year. Got a hit at 50. A guy 50 years old getting a hit, man. A sight to see. Hey, it's like Julio Franco. I mean, it took everything to get him to retire because Julio at 50 was still raking the ball. So that's the thing. There's a lot to be said for a lot of these ball players to take care of themselves, take care of their bodies, and they have that passion for the game. And many had that very excellent ball player. And some people will say to me, because I had a lot of debates about this, they were like, well, he didn't have 3,000 hits in his career. He didn't have the power numbers. And I said, well, he had the longevity. He had the impact on the game because to age those point. Think about what he meant for those Cuban ball players. He was a role model for any of those guys that they were coming up for future generations of Cuban ball players. And right. if you look at this White Sox team, the White Sox team has a lot of Cuban influence on that team. So my thing is, I feel like many he paved the way for what we're seeing in the league right now. And that's the piece right there, Perez, paving the way. And his impact is still being seen in today's game. And again, one thing about many Perez is that people love. I mean, he's a down-to-earth guy, Perez. He's a guy that really represents baseball. And you talk about being a bastard for the White Sox. He is it, man. And he makes you feel good about yourself. Heard many people talk about him and what they say about him. They love his demeanor. They love the type of person he is in general. He is down-to-earth. He's a loving and caring individual. It's not always just about baseball, but it's about how he makes you feel, Perez. I know the baseball writers who are responsible for voting these guys in. They didn't have much respect for his numbers. And as you can see, he wasn't really getting much love in the different ballots. Like, I think the most he ever got was like about 20 to 21% of the voting. And you need 75% to get elected. So right. it took this subcommittee for him to get in. And, and so for me, I feel like, damn, like, 
it took all type of backdoor way for him to get elected into the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to look at it as a as a disrespect to him because he still got in there. I just wish that he would have been here to see it for himself. That's that's my only thing. Because like yeah, that's-, that's it. He he gave his pretty much he dedicated his life to the sport, and I, it would have been nice if he'd have been able to, to see it for himself. What you alluded to is pretty much everything beyond just the baseball field of young his stats. It's just his overall impact to baseball. And I think that deserves a lot more credit than just him and his playing days. And I think uh, you're right. It would have been great. It would have been a great plus had he been alive to witness himself going to the Hall of Fame. Nevertheless, congratulations to Minnie Minoso and his family. I'm very happy and proud for him. I even saw with the White Sox, they got a special plaque there for him at the ballpark as well. So I can't wait to check that out when I get out there for a game this season. Definitely look forward to checking that out. It's going to mean a little bit. It's going to mean a little extra to me, you know, knowing the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame. All right, A-Dub, let's switch gears, man. Illinois basketball. So Alina, the Illini had a big-time game over the weekend. I have not seen State Farm Center rocking that much in such a long time, A-Dub. They had a tough loss to Arizona. That right there is what makes college basketball must-see TV. We missed that during the pandemic because you didn't have those crowds. You had a sold-out arena going crazy. They had the blue and the orange, every other uh, section going in that stadium. I love that because that's just the purity of the, of the sport. And U of I came up just short in that matchup, man. But I'm telling you, that was NCAA tournament-style basketball. Yeah, it was, Wes. That game felt like it was, it was, a, it was bigger, like, a, like you said, a tournament game. And I tell you, man, Illinois came to play. I mean, that first half, Wes, it was, a, to me, an epic first half. When I saw Frazier just getting off, I mean, going on the street, that 19-0 run. Of course, Arizona Storm back. It was just back and forth fighting each other, man. And um, it was two teams really going at it. And I was impressed, man. Those fans, the crowd was all into it. That's the thing that you really love about college basketball is the crowd, the fans, and how they get really involved in that game. Yeah, the student section was going crazy. But I gotta, I have to actually talk about Arizona real quick. Now, going into this game, Arizona had issues even getting to Champaign. Their plane got rerouted, and they had a two-hour Uber ride that they had to take to get to Champaign. They had a lot of issues even getting to the damn stadium. Not only that, but as you mentioned, the Illini, they got out to a really good start. They had a 13-point lead at one point in the game in that first half. And that's why, to me, this game was such a tough loss because Illinois had the game in the balance. You mentioned Trent Frazier. Trent Frazier, man, that was some of the best basketball I've seen him play in an Illini uniform. That man went off. He went off. But the problem in his matchup was Kofi Coburn, he didn't come to play. And I'm not going to criticize him, but what I will say is games like this, it shows you why he went back to school. Because these are things that he's going to have to learn from. He's going to learn from a matchup against the Wildcats when he didn't play his best game. This is going to be a good learning experience for uh, for Kofi because uh, you're right, in games like this here, this is where you want to play your best. And you're right, against Arizona, he did not have his best game. He started to turn up a little bit in the second half, but it's like a little bit too late, right, in a way. I was like, because, you know, first half, the second half kicked off. He was getting a shot blocked, and I was like, where you at, Kofi? Where you at, man? And then he started to turn up a little bit later in that, in that um, second half. But at the end of the day, he didn't play a great game. It's going to be a learning experience for him. So you're right, that gives you a good idea why he came back and these type of games where he's going to get better in. I mean, he was 5 of 15, and the defender from Arizona, Coloco, that man, he was blocking the shot. He was getting physical with Kofi, and Kofi was having even trouble passing the ball back out. 
So yes. it was one of those things that when I saw, I saw a lot of different problems with Kofi's game in that matchup. Now, again, I don't think that's anything that he can't learn from, but I think the biggest thing was is that Kofi, even though he had another double-double, he could do those in his sleep. We got to see the next level in those big-time matchups like this one. Right, because he's talking about going pro. These guys are all your size. They big, they strong, and um, they're going to try to push you around. So what you got to do now is try to dominate on this level here to show that he's worthy for the next level um, of basketball. So, you know, I think with you, Perez, he's going to get better, man. But you're right. It's the challenge for him right now. They got to show up in big games, man. Got to show up. And so the point that you made about Trent Frazier earlier, I do want to piggyback off of that point because Trent Frazier was money from three-point range. But we also saw Alfonso Plummer lighten it up as well. And what we've seen from this Illini team so far this season is they have been shooting the lights out of the ball this season. Even when you have Jacob Grandison, and not to that degree in this game for Grandison, but when you look at the season, these guys are shooting the ball very well. And so if they can continue to do that, I think the sky's limited for this team. Now, I think this, the sky's the limit for this team. Now, one thing A-Dub to just make sure that people still keep it in the top of their mind. Andre Cabello is still out. Right. We had an 11-ranked team that came in here, and we almost beat him without our top point guard, without the guy that can help you with ball handling, right? That can keep you from having point guards that can't dribble the ball, getting the ball taken from them. And the thing in this game was Plummer didn't understand that five-second rule. Yes. That, was a t- that was a brutal turnover in this game. And you, you can't tell me that Andre Curbelo, that would have been a different result in that moment. No, you make a good point because at that time, the game was really at a critical point. We're down, we're trying to make a comeback. Then that five second happened, you know, we're like, what? I don't know how many seconds left on the clock. It was under a minute. And then you have that turnover right there. You can't have that. And I think throughout this game against Arizona, we saw where we had some turnovers that led to uh, points for Arizona. So you can't really turn the basketball over. And when you turn the basketball level over, it makes it even a tougher game for you. And um, it's hard to win those type of games. And, and the difference in this game between that moment was also the, the fact that Arizona's big-time scorer, Mathurin, he scored 30. And we had no answer for him. And so that's tough. When Kofi wasn't able to take his game to the next level in that, and Trent Frazier, I mean, come on. You can't ask him to do much more than he did. Because not only was Trent Frazier shooting the damn lights out of the ball, but he was playing good defense out there too. We just needed a little bit more help. We need a little bit more help for Trent and a little bit more help for Plummer. Yeah, because you're right. With Trent uh, Frazier, he was actually taking charge of his Mm-hmm. He was out there, man, hustling hard, getting steals, and it just wasn't enough. You hit a good point where Arizona Matherin, you know, he was matching, you know, Trent Frazier was matching him. Matherin is one of those guys you look at and say, man, he's a phenomenal, terrific player. And in trying to match that scoring, it's, it's going to be tough, right? But Frazier, he came to play for us, but you're right, we still needed some more help for him at Plummer, and we really didn't get that overall from the rest of the team. So well, we didn't have Kofi playing his best, as you and I talked about already. But at the end of the day, man, I got to give Frazier a lot of credit because um, when you talk about the lights get bright, Perez, and playing big with the lights that bright, that's kudos to a player like him. You got to give him a lot of props for that. Yeah, because the moment's not too big for a guy like Trent Frazier. I mean, he fifth-year senior, he's yep. seen it all, he's been through it all. And that's one of the things that makes me confident in this team when we get closer to the nuts and bolts of the Big Ten season, but then also when we start talking about March. We have a lot of leadership on this team. And so that's one of the things that gives me a reason to say this was an early test against Arizona. We didn't get it done. However, going forward, they learn from this. And I think it only makes them better in the future. Yeah, it only makes them better because they kind of know where some of the problems are at for the team. Ball handling, taking care of the ball was one of them. 
Rebounding was a problem as well. Getting back on transition defense was a problem. So they kind of see some things they can show. And they know they understand some of these ranked teams would make you pay if you don't do those things correctly. Now, one thing, though, to keep in mind, Brad Underwood in the postgame press. And I love Coach Underwood, man. He definitely <laughs> keeps he keeps the fucking heat and intensity on that team. What he, he said? He called them dudes soft again. He said a lot of softness he saw out there in that game. And it was hard to argue with him. Now, I, I don't I don't think the Trent Frazier was soft. But I, when I look at them as a whole, all five guys at one time, there were some soft things that was happening there. And he even asked the, the media. He even asked the media, A.W., he said, have you ever seen a team of mine play this soft before? I think Coach had the right to call a team out because you got to play tough against these, against these ranked teams anyway because they're very good. And you're right, in that game against Arizona, we got bullied. And I think the part he was looking at really is around the boards, Chris. We yep. gave a lot of offensive rebounds, right? And they were getting putbacks in. So it's like, where the toughness at, right? Where's the toughness at? Against this team, where's the physical play? I mean, the physical play that you probably seen was probably the what the technical foul, probably that you saw that um, happen in the game. But overall, you want to see your team play tougher, right? Mentally tough, mentally poised, and um, you didn't get that from um, Illinois in, in that game against Arizona. So I see why Coach called him out on that. Yeah, he just said, "Look, we weren't gritty enough." And I think to your point, A Dub, that's a good point because rebounding, all that is is want to. I mean, you play the game. That all that is is a battle of just you wanted more than the other person, especially on the offensive glass. Yeah, that's one of the things that they got to clean up. So he even said that it was going to be an incredible week of practice. So I can only imagine the shit he put the team through this weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, man! I'm quite sure how those guys working on everything, man. Boxing out, crashing the boards. Hey, you know, taking care of the basketball like we talked about already. Uh, you know, press breaking. So I know Coach going to really be in these guys. And I think he's also going to be on Kofi too, Chris, because I think he's not happy how Kofi played either. Because you're right, part of the softness, I think Kofi can take a little bit of blame because he was a little soft out there in the way. I don't call him a soft player, but in that game, it kind of looked that way. So, yeah, I think Coach really going to have these guys playing their best and working really hard in practice. Yeah, I think Kofi struggled a lot. But I think, for me, when I looked at it, it's one of those things of, all right, Kofi, this is your opportunity now to learn from this. And the next time that you get a big matchup like this, you got to win that matchup. You got to make sure the people in this NCAA don't think that you put up meaningless points. They don't think that you just scored against uh, inferior competition. They need to understand that in the big time games, you're going to fucking show up and show out. Yes, and that's what it is. They people want to see them get mean and tough, press, dunk on somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Be a uh, force on the rebounding. You know, all those things right there is a big man supposed to do. So get blocked shots, too. So they're looking forward to be dominant. And I think um, we ain't see enough in that game. Yeah, and I just think when I look at areas of improvement for this Illinois team, they just got to run offense better. I think right now yes. when you look at them on offense, A-Dub, it's just disjointed. That's a good point, Perez, because it is. It looks sloppy. And then you got one guy driving the ball a lot. You go to Kofi sometimes. The ball doesn't get to him the right way, right? It's kind of off balance. So you got to make better passes, too, into the passes. And I think um, overall, like you said, Perez, we have not ran the offense very well. So they got to be a little bit more crisp there in that area. But I think they're going to do that. But it's going to take some time with practicing hard, right, and still getting together with the team and working hard together. They'll be better. That's what they got to clean up big time. But like you said, you had a top 15 team that came in here, a future pro in Matherin. That was a big challenge. And that was a game right there for me. A-Dub was a big measuring stick. And while I thought, hey, in some areas, I was like, I liked what I saw. In other areas, I said, okay, it's still early. We're without Corbello, but we got to take that next step. We have to learn from this game, and we need to punish teams in that Big Ten conference once we get the nuts and bolts of that going here. Once we get the nuts and bolts of that schedule going here very soon. 
crunch time play, you know how I go, right? Those critical moments in crunch time, you got to be better in. And I think you saw us in that game where Kofi made a bad shot selection. I thought he could have got a better shot. He decided mm-hmm. to put up for a jump shot late in the game. Yep. Um, you said it with Plummer already holding the ball. And I, I think I saw um, a couple other guys taking some tough threes. I'm like, could have got a better shot than that. So just really that mindset of knowing, you know, where you get the shot from, playing together, prayers, and staying together in those moments. I think they'll be fine. But that's something you just got to learn as a team, right? And um, be, be prepared for the challenge. Yeah, to your point, Grandison was one of the guys. He took a, a bad three yeah. early in the shot clock. And that was just one of those things that you would hope that you get a better look in that situation. So, again, there were so many little things that we could nitpick on. And yeah. I'm sure Underwood probably did that and did some with that team this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Underwood was taking no spreads. He was heated. Boy. He was kind of heated, man. He was a little disappointed. It's like, you know, we had a game in, in, in the bag. We had that game. We just didn't do enough to close it out. So coach like, look, we got to be better, man. So he's going to put some fire, like some fire under this team, man, which is good. And down the stretch, they got to get tougher. They got to learn how to close these games out. I think that's the thing that I that I see. And it'll get a lot easier once Cabello gets back. There's no timetable yet on him to return, but that's something that I'm definitely keeping an eye on, A-Dub. Yeah, he is the missing link, Perez, as we can see. We need that point guard, that yes, ball sir. handler. But I feel sorry for St. Francis because they're coming to Champagne on Friday. And Ooh. after a week of Illinois having a coach probably calling them soft and showing them the film and, and pissing their asses off all week, St. Francis is coming in here, man, and I got a feeling A-Dub, they are going to get blown the fuck out, my guy. I just think we also, we're a hungry team. We probably disappointed in losing against Arizona. We want to take it out on somebody. I think they're going to get the brunt of that. <laughs> so I think the Illinois line are really going to head it to these guys. Well, shit, they beat them by 67 in the exhibition game in October. So I think, uh, A-Dub, I don't think we have too much to worry about with this. And in fact, I would put a sizable bet on this game that the line I <laughs> is going to beat the shit out of St. Saint- Francis. I put a sizable bet on that one, bro. I can put the bet on it, too. So, yeah, I see it happening, Perez, without a doubt. Over 20 points for sure. But so when we look at St. Francis, it's just a different level of competition. And so the fact that Underwood put them on the schedule – it's probably helping St. Francis, right? Giving them a little profile. It's probably helping yeah. their program play in a team like Illinois. But I think for Illinois, this is going to be a good tune-up game because it gets some of those younger players on the roster, get them a little bit more playing time, right? And get them ready for the Big Ten season. Because with Austin Hutcherson now out for the season, it allows a guy like Luke Goody, who I've talked about on the show previously, it allows him a chance to get some minutes. And so I think I'm going to really be watching to see how Goody looks in the game on Friday. Melendez, and some of these younger guys on the team. I want to see how they do. I want to see how Coleman Hawkins looks because Coleman Hawkins, to me, in that Arizona game, I thought he took a little bit of a step backwards. I think now it helps these guys to get a good rhythm, right? Get a good point. Hawkins getting a good rhythm in, in this game here against um, St. Francis. So I think we're going to see that, Prez, to where now guys are starting to get a catch of rhythm, run the offense, seeing where they can pick their shots at, seeing where they can be most effective. So, yeah, this should be their game for where you can do that. I want to see some of these others get involved, Prez. So I think these are, these are the type of games that's going to help down the road, right? We face some bigger-name teams and how we can bring it to them. So I want to make sure every guy is in the rhythm, ready to play, man, and uh, to bring their best. Yes, and it'll be a good time out there. So audience, anybody that's in that uh, Champaign area, make sure you get out there. Tickets are available. They start at 25 bucks. And the thing that I'm really excited to see is at halftime, they're going to be honoring the 2001 and 2002 Big Ten Championship team. So there's going to be a reunion there. And any of our Illini fans that listen to this show, you guys know that that 2001-2002 teams 
they were known for physicality. They coach weren't calling them soft. So to have those guys in the building and what they represented for Illini Nation is going to be dope. And DeMonte Williams' dad's going to be in the building. Big Frank Williams is going to be back. So definitely looking forward to that. Frank Williams is my guy, Prez. I was a huge fan. I was hoping for big things for him in the pro level, Prez. But I'll tell you, man, playing for Illini, I was excited to see Frank Williams, man. I mean, that guy came and brought it every night. That shot he had, Prez, he brought the PG. He's one of those likable guys, players, man, in college. So if you think about Illinois basketball, Frank Williams should come to mind, man. Yeah, Fr- Frank Williams, man, probably one of my all-time favorite Illini, along with Kendall Gill. This Frank Williams, he was that dude. And, and to the point that you made, it's going to be nice having that person back in the building. Not even just him. Corey Bradford, Sergio yes. McLean, Marcus Griffin. Dude, that, that, that Peoria Manuel little trio, I love them dudes. And you, you know I went to Bradley during that time. So that, that's all they talked about at Peoria was those three guys. And that was during my time being in school down there. It was awesome. You would get those guys. They would come do, you know, they would come play pickup games at Bradley's campus. They just run people out of the gym. It was pretty bad. But <laughs> I, I loved it, man. I loved it because it just showed you it's levels to this thing. There's a lot of good ball players Because, you know, we play a lot of pickup games at school at Hauser Hall. That was the hall down there, Bradley. And right. you had some really good games. But then when you had them dudes come in the gym, I'm like, man, I'm going to go ahead and sit over here and just watch this run. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like I, hey, hey, Dub, I was like, I ain't about to be fucking around with Sergio because, man, I don't like the way he be throwing elbows. I'll, I'll get out here and I'll lose my cool. So I'm going to go ahead and sit over here and watch this. <laughs> right, right. Because Sergio, those guys that play, man, it's physical out there, man. And I, I like the name you brought up, man, Corey Bradford, man. That dude can shoot, man. Spoon shooter, Prince. Big time three-point shooter, man, for uh, Illinois, man. Corey Bradford, he was nice, man. That was dude was from Memphis. Silky smooth player, great shooter, man. Yes, sir, man. Glad to see them coming back, though, man. I just like the fact that they're bringing those guys back and honoring them. And I also just like when the universities bring these teams back and they kind of give those guys a little bit of a platform because fans love to see when the alumni come back. It's always nice to have those people back in the building, especially when they were very instrumental in the success of the program. Absolutely, Perez. And that brings a little bit of excitement. I know guys like Kofi to get a chance to see these guys and other players on the team, you know, get a chance to see them. Damn right. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Audience, make sure you're definitely keeping in tune with our Twitter account at Chicago Versus. We're going to get a lot of content up there. We'll be live covering that game. We'll have a lot of live footage of those guys coming back and getting honored. I'm looking forward to it. And we definitely want to share that with uh, any of our listeners and also our Twitter followers. Salute to those guys coming back. All right, A-Dub. So transitioning over to the Windy City Bulls. So audience, we don't really have much for y'all there because A-Dub and I was supposed to be in the building last weekend, last uh, Saturday and Sunday, A-Dub, and they postponed both of them games. They was like, "Uh uh-uh. First of all, they said because of health and safety protocols, we had to postpone because we don't have enough people to play. Because as you guys know, the Chicago Bulls are dealing with their own struggles, which we're going to get into in a little bit. But there's so many Windy City Bulls team players that got called up to the big leagues that the Windy City Bulls were scrambling for players themselves. They, they um, signed <laughs> about three or four guys, and they still don't have enough players. That just sucks, Fred. This whole thing with COVID, you know how it is, Fred. It's impacting these teams, impacting the Bulls, impacting the G League team. It's just unfortunate, man. It really is. And so with that being said, so with those games being postponed, now the G League showcase that's coming up, the Windy City Bulls, they're not even participating in that as well. And I thought that would have been a good opportunity for some of these guys on the team to get on some of the radars for some of these teams, whether it's the Bulls, the big league club, 
over some other teams in the league. So it's just a missed opportunity. So when you look at COVID and what this is doing to the G League, well, specifically the Windy City Bulls, it's tough to see because there's guys, this is their opportunity to impress, and they're not getting that chance right now. Right, right, Chris. And that's what makes it even tougher right there. So how it all turned out, you hope for better days, right? Better days to come. It's all about the players. I know safety is always important. So hopefully, Perez, at the end of the day, man, this whole thing get rectified. Well, I mean, A-Dub, that's easier said than done, man. You know what, what what's at stake right now? We have the, yes. the new variant that's coming through. And we don't know, man. We're, we're really um, heading into some uncharted waters here. We don't even know if we're headed for another lockdown type of situation. We don't know. So when, when I look at what's happening right now, all we could do is, is hope for the best, A-Dub. You know what crossed my mind, friends? I was like, you know what? The, the NBA could be going through another bubble, right? And then the G League can go through some other stuff, right? What they did before, maybe casting games, right? But it's the unfortunate thing with the whole thing with the barriers that, that can impact that, right? Because you don't want to see people continue to get sick due to, you know, our COVID. But that's a possibility, friends. So hopefully it doesn't happen, but it's something to watch out for. Well, A-Dub, according to one LeBron James, he said he would never, ever, ever do another bubble. So if LeBron James is saying no in the bubble, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Dude. You're right. LeBron got something to say about it. Then you know yeah. he's a big figure out there. Out there, whatever LeBron said, many ways goes. So we'll see yep. what happens. For me personally, when I see these postponements happen, I think that might be the way it goes for a while, and I'm okay with it because when you have this the winter months going, and we know these NBA players, and and I don't want to come after the G League guys too much, but we know these guys ain't just playing and going straight home. They, they going out, they doing stuff, and that's what's going on right now. That's why you see all these guys getting COVID. You know, you, you don't know who people are coming in contact with. You don't know the people that they're coming in contact with. Unfortunately, you don't know how careless some of these players are as well. Are they all wearing a mask they out there? You don't know, right? Because no one monitors them to that level, right? And who they're around in their house and their household. So it's so easy to, for them to be able to catch COVID from being out there and just being a person out there in the streets. Yeah, and so with that being said, the Windy City Bulls and the G League announced uh, today, A-Dub, that the game on Friday that was supposed to be against Grand Rapids, that game didn't get postponed. It got canceled, just outright canceled. Woo! So that, that goes to show you some things there. So anybody, if you bought tickets for that game, Reach out to the Windy City Bulls. They will be issuing the opportunity for you to um, exchange those tickets for a future game that they have on the schedule. So definitely make sure you guys tune into that. When we talk about the issues that are going on in the G League, we indirectly talked about what's going on with the Chicago Bulls. So A-Dub, COVID, and we talked about it on the last episode, how we had three or four guys out. Well, since the time that we recorded, the Chicago Bulls have had a flat outbreak on the team, A-Dub. Ten yes. guys out. And the Bulls, were they were forced to play against the Miami Heat. And I thought, and you and I were sitting together watching that game because after the Windy City game got canceled, you and I had to po- post up somewhere and hang out. And we was kind of salty. That we, like, we drove all the way out to Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, ain't this a bitch? <laughs> right. Like, damn. And then it was a double damn when we watching that Bulls Heat game, and we like, man, this ain't even fair to them. And Zach Levine, he was trying to do the best he could, but man, Zach had no help out there. It was just, it was tough to see. And it's why did the NBA force them to play that game? Because to me, the Bulls didn't have a chance against the Heat. They gave a valiant effort, but just when well, you got fucking two thirds of your team out, come on, <laughs> what are they supposed to do? It ain't like it's two or three guys. They had so many people out, 
And then the next day after that, he gave a dub. Zach Levine went on health and safety protocol. Yeah, I was like, you know what? After that praise, I said, this is too much, man. This is too much. Through the game itself against Miami, you can see Zach, like I said, was solo. I was looking for Vucevic to help him out. He couldn't help. Vuce was out there struggling. And you just kind of see the team just wasn't really who they really are, right? And I think it had a lot to do with the fact of pandemic, right? With the fact of people being out with COVID-related, you know, protocol stuff. So, yeah, it hurt the team a lot. And, and then with you, Perez, I'm not even sure we even had the team play that game. I thought the NBA would have canceled that game against Miami, but they did. And then, we, like you said, we start to see other players go out. I'm like, what the hell? This is getting out of hand. And now we see guys getting postponed. I thought the Miami Heat game should have been part of that. Yeah, so to that point, A-Dub, when I looked at the matchup with the Heat, a lot of people were saying, oh, well, the Heat were without Jimmy Butler. They were without Bam Adebayo. And they were like, hey, they beat a fully healthy Milwaukee Bucks team. That's all well and fine. But maybe the Miami Heat were a little deeper because, okay, fine. You guys are missing two of your bigger guys. Not only were we missing DeMar DeRozan, but we're missing some very key guys on this team right now, plus a lot of our bench depth. Ayo, for instance, one of the guys that had emerged and stepped up in the absence of DeMar DeRozan, well, he basically tested positive and was out for health and safety protocol. So to that point, A-Dub, what the hell did the NBA expect the Bulls to do? So, yeah, it was great that they postponed the games this week, but they should have postponed that game in Miami. I thought that was unacceptable, and it took the health department here in Chicago to step in for the NBA to actually act and do the right thing. See, that is disappointing right there. See, that shouldn't have to happen, right, you know, for other people to get involved, for us, for them to make a decision. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. I think the NBA got to do a better job and really, really, you know, be hands-on with these type of things. I know it's probably was a learning experience for them, but it's just unfortunate that it had to happen to the Bulls, right, for them to really start to pay close attention that way. You could just tell in that game against the Heat that the Zach was frustrated. He's playing his ass off, but what was he supposed to do? Very frustrating, yeah. very frustrating moment for him. Also, yeah. Vooch, he was getting frustrated out there. You saw him. He wasn't hitting his shots worth a damn in that game. He didn't help Zach out. And I saw him and, and P.J. Tucker. They had a little run in. Yeah, man. You know, P.J. Tucker going to always be that tough guy and play hard, physical with your friends defensively. So for Vooch, I didn't see him dominate the paint. You know, um, I saw him sort of a lot of jump shots. And he just didn't look good out there overall. But it kind of put a lot of pressure on Zach because when Zach goes to the bench for his, we had zero chance, right? Oh, I mean, he's going to run. I was like, you and I were talking about it. It was like, damn. Man, so he leaves Zach. I said, Zach got to play the whole game. We want a chance to win this game. But overall, I don't think Zach got the help. I didn't think Ball helped him out at all. Uh, Vooch didn't do a great job with helping him. So I just thought that Zach was a solo guy. This was, was a game where he really missed the Rosen, really. So, and it kind of showed. And, um, no, we didn't have a chance. We were just behind the eight ball against that team all game, press. And also, speaking of Vooch, this is the game that Dwayne Detman was taking it to him. That man yeah. had 20 and 12. There should never be a time that you get outplayed by Detman, Vooch. Come on, man. You got to step it up now, bro. Come on. Man, Detman was out rebounding the press, picking up offensive rebounds, out hustling him. That's what really hurt me. I said, come on, Vooch. This is a guy, a role player, man. Don't let no role player show you up, man. Not at all. Play a little bit more physical, man. He was taking it to him. And you mentioned earlier about the bench. When half the damn team was out, who's your bench? Right. <laughs> McKinney? <laughs> I mean, he, they just signed him. He was a hardship exemption. One of the other hardship exemptions uh, that they had, Stanley Johnson, he yes. didn't caught it. So it's just like, they, they were just fucked. Tony Bradley, Devon Dotson, that was the bitch. Marco Samanovich. Right. So they didn't really have a chance. And that's why I'm saying the NBA did not put them 
in a good spot. And that's why it pissed me off because I said, why did it take them so long to start postponing these games? You got to accept that right away, man. And uh, they put the Bulls in a very tough spot. This is, again, again a good learning process for uh, the NBA. You got to act sooner, man. You got to really act sooner. Postpone games as soon as you see that's fit and that's necessary. Because the Bulls, like you said, first, we got hit really hard. The Bulls got hit hard. When you see a team hit that hard, you got to make an executive decision. Hey, these games got to be postponed. Yeah, so, like, right now when you look at this team, I took a look at it. I said, so, DeRozan, Kobe White, Javante Green, these are guys that are due back between the 14th and the 16th of this month. With these games getting postponed, it gives those guys a chance to get back there. But you still got Derrick Jones is going to be out. Stanley Johnson, Io, Troy Brown Jr., Zach Levine, and, and Alizé Johnson. And Zach Levine, he's going to be out until December 22nd. So you still, even after these postponements, you still got some very key guys that are going to be out for quite a bit of time. Man, that's going to be tough for the Bulls, man, a stretch like that without key players on the team uh, who are out through the COVID protocol. That's going to be tough. This is going to really impact the season in a way, friends. We talk about where you're going to be seated at. It's about who's going to be a healthier team, right? Who's going to be playing? Who's going to be impacted by COVID? Because those things are really going to play, play a factor. And you can see right now, it hit the Bulls hard, right? We lost that mm-hmm. game against Miami, really, because we had no players. <laughs> we didn't have anybody. Yeah, if this continues at that rate, it's going to be a lot of teams impacted by it, not just the Bulls. But I just hope that, hopefully, Perez, we don't have this breakout happen again for the Chicago Bulls. But shit, not even just the fact of the team, but the broadcasters. Stacey King and Bill Winnerton, yeah. they also enter protocols. Kind of a miss, Stacey, but yeah, man, it just shows you how big this was when it hit Chicago. Yeah, I just wish that the NBA would have acted a lot sooner than they did. But at, at the end of the day, so the game on Monday was postponed, the game yep. on Tuesday was postponed, and the game on Thursday is postponed as well. So the Bulls are probably going to be playing on Sunday, Adel, from what I saw. And I just don't understand how the NBA was going to hold the Bulls to the fact of, oh, well, you got eight guys on your active roster, so you should be good to go. It's like, bro, look at the eight guys that they got. This shit ain't even fair. And I was even disappointed even watching Brooklyn play that way. They had like, what, seven or eight players play. And I'm like, eight players. Mm-hmm. Eight players, yeah. How can you have a team playing with that many players? And to me, I'm just thinking about loud press. Like, NBA, you got to act sooner. Is it about the money that you guys are still playing, want these teams to play? Man, you got to think about the safety you know, the players, you know, and if it's the right thing to do. So I just hope the NBA can get that part together, press, like you're saying. Postpone games, I get it. I think in the long run, it's probably going to hurt the players a little bit. We have to crunch these postponed games in because now you're talking about back-to-backs and all that stuff. I'm not sure they're going to work it out. But that's another problem in itself to deal with. To me, I'm more concerned about safety of players first, right? Let's put that above anything else. Exactly. That needs to go above revenues and trying to figure out game schedules on the back end. It doesn't matter because (laughs) right now you got a damn pandemic that people conveniently forgot that we're still in. And right. this right here, it puts it right in your face, A-Dub, that this shit is not going anywhere. And we have to continue to be safe and we have to continue to prioritize each other's safety. And so thank you to the NBA for doing the right thing, even though it took you a week too long to do so. <laughs> yeah, it did. A week too long for sure. But I'm glad it was done. Let's get into the Chicago Bears. Now, there's a lot of shit that's been going on with this team. We had Packers week. We got that ass whooped. I'm not really interested in talking about that right now. What I want to get your thoughts <laughs> on was prior to the game, former Bear Trace Armstrong, there were some rumors that he had been in talks with the ownership about potentially becoming like a, a president of team operations or something along those lines. So, A-Dub, I want to get your thoughts on that situation because 
Trace Armstrong had to go to Twitter to refute those rumors. And you know what's also interesting about the situation? He happens to be Matt Nagy's agent. He also represents Ryan Day, who's the head coach for Ohio State. Those are some interesting rumors. You know, uh, we know Armstrong, you know, played defensive band for the Bears. But yeah, man, it was an interesting rumors to, to hear his name come out there. I know it was a shocker for me to see that. I was like, was it tough to hear for sure? I didn't feel like it was tough to hear because when I look at the situation that's going on with this team right now, I expect major changes to happen. I think the coach is going to get fired. I think that the GM is going to get fired. I think Ted Phillips is probably going to get reassigned to another place within the organization, probably on the business side of things. They're going to get him out of the football side. So I was surprised to see that they've been in conversations with a guy like Trace Armstrong because Trace Armstrong has moved over to the agency type of role, but he's got a lot of relationships. He's a former player. He understands the game. Most importantly, he's a fucking football guy. And that's That's the thing that I always talk about, the fact that Ted Phillips is not a football guy. They have guys in these positions that are not football people. We need to get somebody at Hallis Hall that understands the game. So I'm okay with having a conversation with guys like Trace Armstrong. They need to continue to have conversations with people that know football. Yeah, I hear you on that point, Perez. Just think about this team and the losing and everything else. It's like you add another element to it, right? And maybe it's a good thing that people hearing his name Armstrong come up, right? But I'm like, is that something we want to hear right now? Because, you know, how our team is struggling and now we're throwing more with this team here and now we causing more distractions to the team. So I'm a fan of Armstrong. I, I wouldn't mind, but you just never know how it might feel with the perfect people we already have right now with Nagy and everything else. Do so we want to add more controversy to the team? It can't be any more of a shit show than it's already been. <laughs> this has been a season of shit show. So honestly, <laughs> if I can get them to have a conversation with a football guy like Trace Armstrong, fuck Nagy's feelings. Honestly, right. I don't care. <laughs> I can hear you on that, man, because I think Nagy, like you already not talked about, I think Nagy is done here in Chicago. But you're right, this organization do need to make over for sure. And I think Armstrong could be somebody that can help transition this team into the right direction. He's one of the guys. There's a lot of guys. And we're going we gonna to talk about that on a future show, audience, because there's a lot of guys that I think that we should be targeting for a potential president of football operations type role here. And yeah. Trace Armstrong is one of those guys, but we'll definitely get into that in a future episode because when the report came out, it came over from Jason LaConfora. And so I know a lot of people in Bears land, we don't really like him. Sometimes <laughs> that guy he just does a lot of clickbaitish type bullshit. But when I was reading through this report, it, it, it seemed very detailed. So I think there might have been a little smoke to that situation. <laughs> yeah, you know, friends, when there's smoke, there's fire. That's a possibility right there because of, uh, I don't think this is just this coming out just to be coming out. I think that's some truth to this, too. And the fact that Trace Armstrong, which I thought was the right thing, he refuted the story because he's like, look, hey, there's a guy in this role currently right now, so I don't want right. my name to be floating <laughs> out there and all this going on. But I'm tell you one thing. Running a successful agency is definitely different than running one of the top five, in my opinion, brands in, in all of football. It's a big difference. There's levels to this. However, you can learn real quick. Yeah, he seems to be a smart guy, Perez. I just look at his mindset, and I think he has a good mindset at neck of football. And also, too, the McCaskey family, they like him. You know how that stuff is important to them. They definitely love this from Trace Armstrong, so they're going to value that. I'm sure Virginia and George, they have nothing but the utmost respect for him and, and think that he could probably do the job. And like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire, audience. There, where there's smoke, there's fire. And to your point, Perez, there is smoke, there's fire, but we also know for sure we need some reconstruction going on at the top. So the rumor pretty much put it out there that, hey, we got some problems that we need to address. Well, I mean, <laughs> this week, 
Ted Phillips. The rumors came out that he privately is distancing himself from football operations. And so they said that he's been doing this actually for the last couple of months. Now, mm. the fact that this dude's got out, it makes me wonder if, if Ted's like, look, I don't want nothing to do with this shit anymore. <laughs> get, get me on the business side. I'll help with what's going to happen over at Arlington Heights. But for the most part, with any football-related decisions, I'm good. Keep me out of the loop. Right, because he realized, hey, that's a tough job to have the press. It really is. And when you're losing franchise, that pressure continues to add add up. So, hey, keep him on the business side, man. Let him have the way he's comfortable at Perez and where he's more comfortable today. Well, yeah, and I think what this shows you is it shows you that he acknowledges that they're better off with a football mind running and overseeing football things, which, duh, these people <laughs> right. all should have known that. You should have known that. Come on now. This guy's a financial guy. He's a fucking pencil pusher. He knows his strengths, Perez. Did he? Or did he have to be forced into that understanding? You better be right on that way, Perez, because when you're struggling as a franchise, changes got to be made. So maybe he woke up, Perez, looked himself in the mirror, and realized from all the pressure that, hey, maybe I am better off on the other side. Yeah, because Ted Phillips has been in this role since 1999. That's why I push back on your point. That man ain't thought nothing of it, because if that was the case, he would have stepped away from the role years ago. He hasn't. that's true. People will say, oh, well, he doesn't have direct involvement in football decisions. But he still is there for when they have GM hires and GM interviews and coaching interviews and all kinds of shit. So, honestly, I don't care about the fact that he don't have decision-making. He's still in the room. He's still a part of the brain trust. That's a problem. So, he's part of the press. He's part of that process. Changes need to happen. And like I keep telling people, you got to cut the head of the snake. That's what needs to happen here. Anybody that has anything to do with this situation, they got to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> they got to go. It's been going on too long, Perez. And, uh, you know, we need a winning football culture. We got Justin Fields. You already talked about already, Perez, or how great he's going to be. And you can't have this kid ruin his career. Got to put all the right pieces around him. That start from the top all the way down to the bottom. Look at how some of these really well-run teams in the league are set up. Why can't we be set up that way? Why isn't George McCaskey looking at that? Why isn't he talking to his mom and saying, look, look at the way these other organizations run their shop. That's how we need to be set up. The Bears are a very old-fashioned operation. The game has passed them all by with the way they run things. It's just like the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls were very old-fashioned the way they ran things, and they had to overhaul that entire situation. And it took John Paxson to humble himself and say, look, I need to step aside and you guys need to bring some people in here to really have a different mentality and a different understanding for the game. Well, that's what needs to happen here. Tim Phillips needs to step aside and we need to get people in here to understand the modern way that football runs because the way that the Bears run things is not effective. Yeah, it's so old school, like you're saying, Perez. This feels like still the 1990s, 1980s ran football club, man. That's what the Bears feel like. Even, even watching how we play, we need to make some major changes around that. Play how these other teams are playing. Play the style, have the mindset. And I think the Bears really need to change that type of culture that you and I talked about before and that mindset, and that'll help get this team in the right area. See, I think the problem, and this is something that I talk about a lot, is the fact that they're family-owned and operated. So they still have that type of mentality when it comes to doing things. And yeah. you know how it is with any family, A-Dub. There's stubbornness. There's certain people that want to do things this way. You got other people that want to do it a different way. So that's why you need to have a voice outside of that. Someone that's not within the family. Somebody that could just say, no, we're not doing it like that. That doesn't work. That's what we don't have right now. 
what they're doing right now is the pure definition of insanity. They're doing the same thing over <laughs> and over and over again, but they're expecting a different result, a dub. And that's what the fan base is now forcing them to say, fuck what you guys want to do. We're going to make this uncomfortable. We're going to continue to make noise until you guys do the right thing. And that's why I applaud Bears Nation for applying pressure yep. on the franchise. Because you know what, Perez? That's the only way we're going to get some changes to happen, right? We continue yep. doing that. I know sometimes I hate how far we go overboard with it sometimes, Perez, because sometimes it's to a default to where we kind of be a, bit, be a little bit malicious in a way as, a, as an entire fan base. Not say all of us, but some of us. But I think the right thing, we all had the right mindset that change needs to occur, right? So continue applying that pressure to this franchise, we'll most likely start to see some changes. Again, at the end of the day, the, the biggest thing that you said there was the fan base. They apply pressure. There's nothing that these organizations hate more than having their shit fucking broadcasted and being embarrassed publicly. That's what right. happened to the Chicago Bears, and it's the best thing that's going to happen to us to make change happen. So we'll see what happens. But audience, final segment time. If this city could talk. So I'm going to keep mine very short and to the point. You guys saw those tornadoes and the bad weather that we had over the weekend that swept through central and southern Illinois. So if this city could talk, it would say our thoughts and prayers are with all that experience lost due to those tornadoes that swept through the area. And we want to give a shout out to Governor Pritzker, who issued a disaster proclamation for those near 30 counties. So you guys are in our thoughts and prayers. A salute to the governor for making those decisions right there. My heart goes out to all those who've been impacted by those tornadoes. This city can talk. It would say one of the most important things to do in life is to take care of your mental health. Uh, I've been dealing with a lot of people who've actually been struggling with mental health illness, and it's a big thing. And I know part of it came through the pandemic, part of it came through financial reasons, part of it came through jobs, et cetera, all these different things that add up. So I'm here to just tell you all, if the city can talk, it's a big deal for those that you know or loved ones to get help, right, if they are struggling with that, not to ignore what you're hearing or what you're seeing from people, right? They're telling you that they're going through something. Be there for them. Listen to them. I know you may not be able to solve the problem, but definitely hear them out and see what you can do to help. And I'll just add to that. Be kind to one another. You never know what anybody's going through. Don't be a jackass out here in these streets. Don't be it. (laughs) Artists, we appreciate you guys for checking out the episode today. We're the Chicago State of Mind podcast. We appreciate you for listening, and we are out. You ask all my teammates, the one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.